All right. This is bonus episode, I think, three for us. Um, yeah, three. Third one we've done. So moving right along with it. Of course, this is normally just for our Patreons. Um, as always, this might get up to the public. Um, as every other one we've recorded, I haven't made it on mind yet whether I ever will release these or not. Um, I still like them that they're just for Patreons, our patrons. So um, I, 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 one of our one of our fans suggested that we do general, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think we have to. Maybe there's like a really, really hot topic. Maybe book reviews. And that's what we're doing tonight is a book review. So maybe for book reviews, I'll eventually release them because people like book reviews. So maybe we will. Maybe someday everyone will be hearing what we're talking about tonight. So what we're doing is we are reviewing The Eye of the World. Um, it's the first book of the Wheel of Time series. And um, and this will be no spoilers past this book because we have it or at least my two co-hosts, Ian and Chris, have not read past this book. So if you're just reading through either world for the first time, maybe just find our podcast for the first time and want to see what we're all about. And we do release this to the general public. Um, maybe this might be a good place to start. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, it's, it's A place. A plus. There's neither italicized. Or any. A. Uh, it's, it's, it's A. Right. So, kind of format of what we're going to go through. I think. Uh, what we'll start is just with Ian and Chris kind of going through kind of the likes and dislikes in the book. Um, at some point, we'll kind of go through our top ten favorite parts, but maybe we'll maybe we'll start with Dad. I think that'd be fun. Like, what what you didn't like about the book? <laughs> Let's start on a negative note. Everybody's not listening anymore. <laughs> so, twenty all wants to go first. You want it, Chris? Nope, go for it. Okay. Well, it, it's probably good that I go first um, because uh, Chris, I have a feeling, is going to one-up me on, on the synopsis. He's a little bit more of a literary guy. I guess the initial review that I, that I want to give is more just like the emotional reaction from reading it. Um, you know, I'm not an English major or anything. I'm not going to compare this to other great literary books out there or whatever. Um, but as a whole, uh, you know, on the warm fuzzy scale, you know, one to 10, it was probably about a six and a half. Uh, there was, I feel like with all of our main characters all throughout the book, I just stayed frustrated with them. I don't know if that was intentional uh, by Jordan, or maybe it's just like this style of that postmodern fantasy that you, you described to us. And when we started this off, Alan, um, but yeah, I never really knew who to trust outside of our Edmonds fielders. Um, and our main characters like Ran and well, even Perrin, I mean, you want to like the guy, but early on he frustrated the shit out of me. And Perrin and Rand always constantly back and forth about wishing the other was there whenever they're talking to girls. And I'm like, man, you guys are just. Uh, and then even the way the book ended, like I'll have a lot of positive things to say, especially as we go through our top 10. But even when the book ended, like, you know, there's still a cliffhanger. There's still, you know, the, the shadow is still growing. It's the evil is still out there. It's not like we really solved anything. Um, we think we did. But since we know there's 
many, many more books after this. I would assume there's many, many more troubles to come. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, but as, as a whole, definitely enjoyed it. The action scenes, when Jordan started writing the action scenes in the, in the battle scenes, just freaking fantastic. We talked about it in a couple episodes of just getting drawn in and flying through to the point where we're not even taking notes anymore, just getting super excited. And there was a lot of that. And Jordan did a good job of not overdoing it. Uh, you know, you'd go through an action scene, then he would pause it, slow it down, get a little bit more descriptive about the new area they're at, and then bam, you get swept right back up into it again and sometimes totally caught off guard with it. So, uh, yeah, as a whole, I enjoyed it. Two All thumbs right. up. Cool. Chris? So I would completely agree. I, too, would give it two thumbs up. I was just thinking back to some of the parts that originally drew me into the book. Um, as I said, I kind of got duped into this reading. Uh, Alan called me up and he was just, hey, <laughs> how about you give this a shot? I'm like, eh, if you can find one more sucker that wants to do it, go for it. I'm so glad that I was the other sucker. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes, he was still touching Satan, the male half of the power that drove the universe, that turned the will of time and he could feel the oily taint fouling its surface, the taint of the shadows counterstroke, the taint that doomed the world because of him, because in his pride he had believed that men could match the creator, could mend what the creator had made and they had broken. In his pride, he had believed. I read that because that is the core of the first book, if not the core of the entire you know, series of books that we're going to be reading over the next six and a half years. Yeah. Or six, I should say. We finished half of the year, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> slowest book. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's probably the slowest read-through I've ever done through a book. But you know what? It's also probably been the best for me in regards to reading a fantasy novel because I power through books and I often miss things. And I'm the type of reader that does not like to go back and reread because it's still vivid in my mind, my own thoughts, which brings me to my next opinion about the book with the, the depth of the verbiage and the, the syntax and then the imagery that is provided to us. I didn't really have to let my mind wander much, which is something that normally my, my mind's always reeling, like I'm always creating the world in my mind. This is the first book I've read in a long time where the details are so fine that I didn't have to give much to imagination and I was allowed to really just enjoy the story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I, I read Harry Potter. I've read Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss. I've read 65 of their books. Uh, I've read Game of Thrones. And the one thing I can say that out of the over probably 200 fantasy books that I've read uh, over the span of my, my reading career, I really feel like this has been the best. I say 200, I mean 200, like adult. I've read probably over a thousand books in my life, but this has had to have been the best I've read yet. Yeah. So, so, I mean, just some common things that, and, and you guys might disagree are, 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 um, agree with some of these things. So just talk the Iowa world in particular. Um, there's a lot of complaints that people do make about this particular book. 
Um, and you might have noticed it neither as much. There's one particular part that a lot of people complain about, and that's the travel scene with Matt and Rand, and just how much of the book that takes up, and how it's really not that necessary. <laughs> I mean, besides maybe Four Kings and that big epic lightning bolts coming down, that was action packed. But going from farm to farm to farm to farm, sleeping in hay bales, keep on talking about it for, and maybe you guys didn't notice it as much, but a lot of first time readers do complain about that part of the book. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but that's something, like I said, that, that, that is a complaint sometimes I hear. Um, the other thing that people complain about is the lack of, 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 of character dialogue or where the dialogue seems to be lacking. Um, so whereas Jordan is extremely good at world building, extremely good at action, I think Ian hinted at this. Some things where he, he uh, kind of lacks sometimes is that, that interaction between characters. Um, maybe it's not his strongest suit. Um, and, and, and some people enjoy it, some people don't. And it definitely gets better, but definitely either world, I think he was trying to figure that out. Um, it definitely does get better every time. I think in either world, there's definitely some. Yeah. I, that, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. <laughs> well, on the, uh, I'll start on the first part the um the amount of time matt and rand are traveling together uh and this is probably because of the slow pace we read it so we might not have the exact same impression as your average first time reader uh but i wasn't put off by it and uh in fact uh it i think it was a good build up um to you know towards the end even the forsaken being able to find them sure um because of Matt's connection mm-hmm. and very slowly how we were able to watch Matt deteriorate um, from who he was to, you know, who he, who he became before Moraine ran into him again and, and temporarily helped him out, you know? So that, that didn't throw me off too much. Uh, I do think that's probably a, a, a part of this book or this whole storyline. Then when it comes time uh, for them to, you know, do it on the big screen, yeah, they'll probably brush through it a lot quicker. You know, there's no reason to have, you know, three episodes of Matt and Rand traveling together. And when you add the, the visual part uh, of doing it on TV, on the big screen, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's probably better ways to show the deterioration of Matt um, yeah. w- without spending many, many chapters on it or a whole lot of time. So that didn't bug me. Yeah. Uh, and then the dialogue thing. I think that did hit the nail on the head. Part of my frustration with not just the development of the individual characters, it's like sometimes there were things that we got a lot of what was going on in Rand's head. Mm-hmm. And there, there were there were many times in the book where I'm like, man, if you would just open your mouth and speak <laughs> to the person next to you about, um, you know, getting more depth about the dreams and what you're worried about, or, you know, if you yeah. have enough reasons now to trust Moraine, like, tell her about xyz earlier on and who knows what they could have solved and uh yeah so that's one of the the, 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 a big joke about real time the entire series is they have like a pie graph of like the uh the biggest villains and and i'm not gonna name them all like it's a little small sliver for like you know the dark ones minions or whatever and then it's a little small sliver for like white cloaks just like that and then like the basically 99 percent of the graph of the pie chart is is poor communication skills. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Agreed. 
<laughs> That's the biggest villain in all of all time. It's just like people can't communicate effectively with each other. But yeah. Um, but then again, <laughs> they're really, you know, the, the main people are. are hey, Alan, like, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Mm-hmm. You're hard to hear, and I don't want okay. that to be an issue when you're. Have been hard to hear for this entire time, or just just recent? Just that time when you were talking, it got really hard for me to hear. You're better now, all of a sudden. Okay, so I'll start it over. Um, did did, it, did the whole pie graph thing come in clear? <laughs> it wasn't great on my end. I don't know about Ian. You you do sound a little tin canny. Like I heard you, uh, okay. and it made sense, but it, it's not as clear as it normally is. Yeah, I thought this might have been having a problem with the anchor. Um, let me see. Does that sound better? Yeah, you sound better right now. Okay. Yeah. So, basically, I'll start the error. So, yeah, one of the jokes that they have about uh, Wheel of Time is the biggest villains that you have. You have this pie graph, and it has all the different villains on there. So, it has the Dark One's minions, and it has the White Cloaks. Uh, but 99% of the, of the pie graph, graph is poor communication skills. So that's kind of kind of ongoing joke amongst all the time fans is that uh, there's lots of poor communication. Um, and I'll co-sign that. And I think a lot of that also has to do with, and I, I look at it the lens, it has to do with the age of the characters. These these characters are all like they're teenagers. They're thrust into like gigantic, huge responsibilities. They don't know how to communicate yet. When I was a teenager, I was horrible at communicating. Uh, I still am horrible at like, communicating, but you know, better than they are. But as an adult reading, <laughs> um, you know, you're looking at like when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, I was probably just as bad. <laughs> yeah. Right, that was true. kind of the point that I was going to look at. Like the first off is, is we're getting a lot of internal dialogue because we're dealing with adolescents for a, a lack of better words or teenagers. We're not dealing with adults. We're they're barely out of their preteen stages, like they're just starting to come into their manhood or womanhood. So, remembering how I was when I was, you know, thirteen to about sixteen, I was a kid that was like six foot three and wore a black hoodie everywhere. Like I was antisocial and wanted nothing to do with anybody but close friends and family, which is far from where I am now. So I'm hoping that. Um, Character development will enhance and inc- be increased as the books go along with as many books as we have to read. That has to be a thing, in my opinion. But again, that's an opinion. Uh, but I, I have to Hopefully. just kind of point out like that particular set of chapters of uh, Rand and Matt traveling. Like One of the highlights I had, there was, um, I said, no matter what it looks like, a small voice whispers in his mind, it isn't really home. Even if you go into one of those houses, Tam won't be there. If he was, could you look him in the face? You know now, or you know now, don't you? Except for little things like where you come from and who you are. No fever dreams. He haunched his shoulders against the top laughter inside his head. You might as well stop, the voice snickered. One place is as good as another when you aren't from anywhere and the dark one has you marked. Yeah. They didn't develop the interactions between the characters because the characters are still trying to develop who they are in their own minds. And when you're given this very vivid imagery throughout the entire set of chapters, like, yes, it moves slow, but it was very intentional 
because we're supposed to see all of the struggles. We're supposed to see uh, a lack of identity on Rand's part because we know that one thing that uh, tells us who we are is where we're from. So if you don't even have that, then as a teenager, how do you know who you are? So I really appreciated the time that we took on the road because we also we were able to develop Rand a whole lot, but then we were also able to kind of develop what I've now deemed the the dark side of Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a very pessimistic yeah. person, which was not at all what we ran into when we started. So I think he was pretty genius in developing the character behind our own backs. Like we're like, oh, there's no communication, so he didn't develop the characters well. But now we've got two sides of Matt. We've got two sides of Rand. He does the same thing to Perrin when uh, we get to the episode or the portion about the Wolf Brothers, which is prior to this. We're getting yeah. a little bit more from Egwene because we find out that she she may come off as a floozy, but she's really not like, and don't get me wrong, I love Egwene. So <laughs> for all my patrons listening, that was not a shot at her. <laughs> But what's happening is this intentional development off the off the record, essentially. So I enjoyed sure. it. Well, let's move on to our next thing that we are going to do. So some people have reached out, and they uh, one of the things I reached out on my Discord, and I asked people what should we do for this bonus episode. One uh, one thing I liked they recommended was do a top ten favorite parts, and we'll do that for every book. So, I've asked Ian Chris to kind of kind of come up with a what's your top ten favorite parts were. I don't know how you guys want to do this. If you guys just want maybe one of you to run through your top ten, and the other one then run through, or go one at a time. It's up to you guys. You alternate. Okay. Yeah, I say alternate so we we build the suspense to both of our number ones, and and inevitably there's probably gonna be scenes that we both have, but have in a different order. But sure. whatever, we'll just he'll do his ten, I'll do my ten, then nine, then eight, and work okay. our way down. Sounds good. Let's just start. <laughs> so, Chris, you 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 take us away with your number ten, and then I'll give you mine. <laughs> um, the epic bad guy monologue on page 14 i think that was probably one of my my favorite uh it was definitely on my favorite but it wasn't like my absolute favorite but it's essentially where you had um loon there I, I can never say his name when i want Luz, to lose lose theron kind of going after the quote-unquote betrayer and really downing him and and just like i am triumphant He's just essentially like, 10 years, your foul master has wrecked the world. And now this, I will, no, one part, one part, sorry. Darn, where did I put it? Let's restart. Oh, he says 10 years. He says 10 years, 10 years, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, I'm going to restart so you can edit that out. One, and break. <laughs> Remember, you fool. Remember your futile attack on the great lord of the dark. Remember his counterstroke. Remember, even now, the hundred uh, companions are tearing the world apart. And every day, a hundred men more join them. Like that right there is just like, he's gloating. He's like, I'm in charge. Shit's going my way. You suck. So that was my number 10, was just that bad guy <laughs> monologue. Sure. That's awesome. I love how you picked the prologue. That's, that's great. <laughs> all right wait way to rub it in alan because once he started i thought to myself 
oh shit, I didn't include the prologue in my top ten. It's okay. It's like, okay. Like at, like at all. And now I'm sitting there. I'm like, like should prologue. I? Yeah. So a lot of people don't like the prologue to first read through. Like usually, that's. But I did. I thought it was there was a lot of goodness in there. Like I, I thought about cheating and like real quick changing one of mine, but then it, it would throw me off. So uh, I definitely give the prologue high marks, but I didn't include it. Um, all right. So my number ten is a very simple scene, and and kind of how I mentioned before. Like I, I listed the the scenes that brought out. Um, significant emotion in me either like just giddiness because i'm like oh my gosh this is cool or maybe the romance scenes or maybe the fight scenes but my number 10 is when rand uh dances with nynaeve moraine and then Egwene. um and i think that was the chapter right after stag and the lion mm-hmm. yes uh, watchers and hunters i think yes yes yeah, and I just and, and I remember us talking about it uh, during the recording, just like how both of us we were read it. We we're like, "Oh shit, here he goes!" And of course, he's yeah. as awkward as as ever. He's supposed to be a good dancer, but tripping over himself. And yeah, that was a good moment for me. I enjoyed it. And, and a lot of people point out that that's the last moment when everyone's happy um, in the entire book. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was, it was everyone, everyone's happy. Everyone's smiling, having a good time. The rest of the book. There's not a, I mean, yes, you had the reunion, I guess, you know, Camlin, but it's not on a happy note, really. Parents beat the crap. You know? like, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, anyway, that's a good one. All right. So do we want to swap and I'll do my nine, then you do your nine? Yeah, it works. Sounds good. Okay. So this, this one will be quick. Uh, I had to throw this in here and there's multiple examples. So I, I don't have, um, all of the excerpts where this happened, but it happened all through the book. Rand and Perrin wishing that the other one was there because they were better with girls. <laughs> uh, I just, I had to have this on my list, so I kept it close to to the top. But every time I read it, I would roll my freaking eyes and be like, oh my goodness, just ask the girl out or whatever. But <laughs> man, they were so awkward. I'm glad you enjoyed it though. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It was funny. Chris, I think if I'm thinking about my my number nine would be the interaction between the queen and her children towards the end of the book, because we meet two new characters, Mm -hmm. but we really don't get that much. Like we get a lot and a little all at the same time. Like talk about like a system overload. That is the first time in the whole book where he's just like drops a bomb. And then walks away from it. Literally, just a couple <laughs> chapters of like, boom! Important information. Huge characters, assuming they're going to be huge, huge characters, and all of a sudden they're gone. We yeah, we meet right. more than two. Um, you have you have well, Galad, you have go on go go uh, uh, Gawain. Um, I'm sorry, get that out. So you have Galad, you have Gawain, um, Elaine, Morgay's the queen. Um, Captain Bryn, Elida, the Sedai advisor. Um, yeah, so, that I mean, was, there's, a, there's, that there's was a, handful, a lot. There's a handful of like named characters you get, um, like right there. Um, not not saying that they all stay, but like obviously a queen is probably going to be important later. <laughs> Things like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of named, named characters. Yeah, and that was like that was my. 
moment of like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. And then frustration. And that's why it made my number nine. It's because there was so much there for me to get. And then nothing. And that kind of disappointed me. But I know he did it on purpose because it's like, wait till book yeah. seven. Then you'll get more information. Sure. Okay. And now yeah. I got the shirt that confirms it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and honestly, that's been one that we talked about like for the show. Um, can you guys still hear me? Yeah, yes. we're listening. Okay. So that's one of the, been one of the big, big talks about the show coming up. Is like if you're going to introduce all these characters and then not have them reappear till later, like do we cut that whole entire scene from the TV show? Like that's actually been a big talk because, like, I'm not saying how further they might appear next book, but like. To have to hire to hire big name people to play roles that won't reappear till like way later, like does that make sense? Yeah, that would mm-hmm. that would be tough. And so I don't know exactly how much later because we haven't read past this book yet. But but like Chris said, this was a really deep dive into what could be very important characters moving forward, and then we rushed out of there and just moved on with the rest of our lives. So it's yeah, that that would be tough. Mm-hmm. Sure. So then, I guess my number eight would be the moment where Moraine figures out she's not as strong as she thinks she was, or essentially the Dark Lord is stronger than he than she thought he was. Um, there was that the moment where she literally kind of started questioning herself. So she said, perhaps my presence can still shield you somewhat, but even then, remember the stories of the forsaken binding men to them, strong men, men who had fought the Dark One from the start. Those stories were true, and none of the forsaken had a tenth of the strength of their master. I Throughout the entire book, she was the character. You know, we had our awesome warder, but at the end of the day, Moraine was the one who held all the power and all of a sudden she's kind of just giving it all up. That disappointed me. But it was still one of my favorite scenes because, you know, they finally kind of fessed up to the fact that Bialzaman's kind of been in and out of their dreams and she realizes that she made some mistakes. So it also gives her more of a humanistic quality, which makes her easier to identify with. Yeah. So we talked about before how uh, Jordan just kind of keeps building like even the bad guys we run into, uh, you know, we have a couple of Trollocs and then we run directly into fades and then we're dealing with this that, and the other. And we learn more about the, the hierarchy and the depth of, um, you know, the power of, uh, I keep saying the dark side, but the shadow, whatever, um, and then also within our good guys, you know, we have this inexperienced crew and then we have land that is just this total badass. And then as Moraine reveals to us what her powers are and some of her interactions along the way, you're right. We're like, holy cow, Moraine, it's just she's got her her mind wrapped around everything. She's super smart and super powerful. And then that moment, like you said, uh, well, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe I'm I'm not as hot as shit 
or maybe I don't have full control of what's going on here or misread things and yeah, just kind of put, put some emphasis on it. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So mine number eight, uh, another simple one that you, uh, well, I guess you couldn't actually glaze over it. It, it, it happens kind of quick, but then it's revisited all throughout the book where Tam is tripping and he spills the beans to Rand that essentially he's not Rand's father. And <laughs> that was so important in so many ways. Like in, there's some parts of this book where because of that, he doubted himself, but then there were parts where because of that, like he used it as motivation. I mean, he still holds on to, being Tam's son and Tam being his father, even though we all pretty much know, and he's got to know he's not. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it came up quite often and, and motivated him all the way through this book. So that was pretty significant. Sure. Definitely. I think you're absolutely right about that. That definitely sticks out a whole bunch and it definitely becomes the prevalent point to the fact that when we get to the end, I really have, some thoughts like when we find the the banner with the dragon on it it's like okay is this connected to ran somehow or how is it connected to ran so mm -hmm. yep, yep sure so now Ian, i think you're still going down to oh so i'm on seven mm -hmm. yep so right. i did yep good so for seven i have uh lan and nynaeve their first flirt um so it would have been, I think you have to go back to when the wisdom um, first met up with them mm. and she was able to track them and Lan was just like, oh, I must be slipping. She's like, no, oh, no, no. I mean, you're, you're good. I'm just really good also. Yeah. Uh, and then not, not that much further ahead when they got separated briefly. Uh, and then Nynaeve meets up with Lan and Moraine and Lan goes off to get her horse and she's thinking, ah, you know, he's. He's not going to find my horse, not the way. I, and he comes right back with the horse and she's like, shit, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like that awkward interaction. But there's a lot there's there's more emotion involved than just trying to one up each other. And that that was the beginning of their uh, little romance mm -hmm. side story that. Uh, I, I think I think that'll continue in future books, I hope. Sure. So for me, I definitely agree with you. I, I hope that that continues. But my number seven, as the wheel of time turns, Moraine said, half to herself and with a distant look in her eyes, places where many names, men were many names, many faces, different faces, but always the same man. Yet no one knows the great pattern the wheel weaves or even the pattern of an age, we can only watch and study and hope. This right here was a scene that really stuck out to me in the beginning, but really came back to me at the end when we talked about how much uh, Jordan liked foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. Because at the very end of the book, when Moraine was to herself and she was talking to herself, she's just like, it, it has begun, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right, And it's like, it brought me back to this quote 
where this is like the first reference to the wheel of time and it's weaving. And then she's just like, all right, now it started. So for this, the whole book, we are building up to this whole idea that she mentioned at the very beginning of the book. Sure. And I'm sure that's going to be yeah. the theme for the entire series. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Cool. And for right, what number you, what's your state? six, let's see here. Um, let me find where I was at. Hold on one second. Darn it. Page 108. Mistress Moraine in Masterland was a whirlwind with that sword of his, his sword. The man himself is a weapon and in 10 places at once or so it seemed burned me, but I still wouldn't believe it if I couldn't sleep outside and see. So this is like the conversation around the battle scene. And mm-hmm. this made by number six just basically because it was the beginning of the book and all we knew about Lan was that he was just some type of a badass. We knew Lan was some type of a badass, but we really didn't know how great they were. But then we get all the, the imagery as well about um, the the battle itself. And I thought that was really cool, but then it's trumped by more and more battles because they go more and more into depth. So definitely a favorite, definitely my number six. Sure. And I, that, that, yeah. That's when I guess it was the master brand uh, from all the way back in Evans Field at the end. He's, he's describing seeing land fight the Trollocs that first night when the Trollocs attacked the village. Right, that's what you're referring to. Yeah. 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 So, and that's before we know anything about Lynn. So you're right. I mean, we you just know he's connected with this chick Moraine. That... <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. Cool. Good All right. One. So, so my number six is same, same but different. Uh, it's not Land. It's Perrin, and I wrote Perrin leads the way. Uh, so instead of talking about Perrin in the beginning, I'm going to talk about Perrin in the end, uh, our our wolf brother uh, leading the way when they're in the blight and they're they're getting surrounded. And I, I'll read it this time. I had you read it during the episode because it was definitely a Chris scene, but this fired me up. Uh, Perrin also stood in his stirrups, silent and grim. He had taken the lead and his axe hewed a path through forest and foul flesh alike whichever came before him. Flailing trees and howling things shied from the stocky axemen, shine as much from the fierce golden eyes as from the whistling axe. He forced his horse forward, step by determined step. Uh, Perrin definitely exploded as a character throughout this book. And because we're getting mostly from Rand's perspective, we only had those few chapters with him and Egwene where we really got to focus on him. But if you consider where he started, and the shy guy, like, uh, it, you know, you mentioned Chris, like, because of his size and everything, but he's also so polite. He's almost awkward and not wanting to hurt people and bump into people. And, you know, at the very end, you know, golden glowing eyes just ripping through the forest here and, and wielding that axe and leading this group of people that also contains land and moraine. And he's still just taking charge and, and helping them plow through it. I just I thought that was fantastic. I love Perrin right there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I completely agree. Perrin is definitely my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was great. 
And just so my think, no- uh, just to think, you guys thought he was a block for the longest time, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, we did. Was all the people, people, at the beginning, he was just there. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So my number five is uh, Moraine's weep for Manethrin speech. Mm. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing. I know anybody that's ever read this book or series probably almost has that memorized by now because it's just fantastic. And <clears throat> what's what's great is, like, as you're reading it, the audience is the crowd of people that were giving her shit and trying to blame her and Land for all the problems they were having then. But really, that's not the case at all. She didn't care what those people thought. The, the audience was uh, not just us, the readers, but our, our Edmonds fielders that eventually traveled with her. Uh, at least that's the way I see it now, looking back. Like, that was meant for Rand and Matt and Perrin, um, mm-hmm. really to give them the, the courage that they might need to get moving on this journey. So, but an awesome, awesome moment nonetheless. Sure. I think my number five was when they entered Shadar Logos. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the imagery that was given, talking about you know the tumbling walls, how they were spilled over, how there was uneven rubble everywhere, but then how there was this uneasy stillness as quote unquote shadows waiting. You know, even the the very title of that chapter just grabs your attention and you're like holy cow what's about to happen and then from here we really get the new development of matt and we get the group splitting up for the first time it's like this chapter mm-hmm. was a pivotal turning point and so this chapter gets my number five okay nice it's a good one <laughs> and then i think my number six or excuse me i'm going the wrong way my number four (laughs) (laughs) i want that left in and look there is no beginning no end you could just jump to number one and we'll mix these up the lord of the grave is stronger than he once was my son she said his reach is longer the father of lies has a honeyed tongue for unwary souls my son my only darling son I would spare you if I could, but he is my master now. His whim, the law of my existence. I can but obey him and grovel for his favor. Only you can free me. Please, my son, please help me. Help me. Help me, please. Um, I really grabbed on to this quote because it just shows that no matter where we are in time and in our own mind, the love of and son are something that stand all tests of time, no matter where you are in your relationship with your parents. Um, if your mother comes and begs of you, you're going to listen. So I, I really, this right here just really drew my heart a little bit. So still not my top favorite scene, but it definitely had played a big, big part. And I think that this, his use of his lightsaber <laughs> yeah. to free his mom also to me was kind of implicit of what may have actually happened. Like part of me fears that him cutting the the black vein 
which is actually probably my number three. Uh, not probably, definitely my number three. Him cutting and killing Biazaman may more have been him freeing him from the taint. Like just something in my mind wants to think there was more to that scene than what Jordan let on. And since he's done so much of that throughout the book, I have a feeling Rand didn't kill anybody. He freed him. Ooh. So there's four and three at the same time. And there's me adding now another, uh, what you call it, to the list. Prediction. Prediction. Yeah, prediction. Thank you. Yeah. I really, I really like that one, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just Man. Now you got me all. All right, let me. I'm gonna. Have, I'm gonna have to think about that later because it's not gonna change my list for now. <laughs> but that is very, very cool. Like not killing, but releasing. Hmm. So, man, all right. Let me put my floaties on. <laughs> didn't think you did it for a bonus episode, did you? <laughs> no, not even. I like they're still out in the shed. I didn't even get them out. Um, it's okay. <laughs> My uh, my number four, a uh, similar scene. I kind of lumped it all together uh, of Rand grabbing hold of the one power and uh, kicking some Trolloc army butt and also his destruction of Basilmon, which oddly enough, as I wrote that, I didn't even include the little blip about him freeing his mother. So that's interesting that you, you focused on that part of that whole scene. Uh, but man, I was him just going out into the gap there and earth and lightning and everything just flung at the Trolloc army and everything else uh, was freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, almost how easily he was able to dispatch Balsamon once, once he was able to see like kind of Neo matrix style. Once he realized what was going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. he was able to cut that cord and uh, well, we assume he killed Basilmon. I'm assuming he did, but that whole scene was just fantastic. That's number four for me. Sure. And and that scene's just I, we brushed over it on our last episode, but like just so you remember that Cayman Road fight where like the Trolloc army was as far as I could see, and that was led by four fades. You know, yeah. This was hundreds of fades. I mean, so it just the the scale is just i i don't know like i it's like 300 like you ever seen me 300 like that that type of scale like where the immortal persian army is just yeah yeah <laughs> like a million man army coming <laughs> yeah well the, and the factions of humans that were there defending they were doing it knowing they were going to die they were getting ready to make their last run their last stand it was mm-hmm. about to happen and ran just muffed them all up and it was fantastic Yep. <laughs> so yeah that was your number four so number three all right number three kari and kaldazar kari on elisande al elisande when matt first busted out his war cry uh when you know ran and parent are just screaming manethrin and he just went tribal on these folks <laughs> and started speaking in tongues and they went out and diced up some trollocs uh, and then just a couple of pages later when Moraine's kind of filling us in on it, or right before Moraine fills us in on it, even Egwene is like, no, Matt, it's not gibberish. Like, I don't know how, but I, I think I was able to understand what you were saying. It's so weird. So, like, that that's our first glimpse that um, 
the blood of uh, shoot, I always forget it. Blood of Amon. Blood, yeah. Mm-hmm. The blood of Amon being alive and well, uh, not just in Matt, but in, but in Egwene. Mm-hmm. So it was very cool. And then, of course, they do it again later in the book, but sure. that was the first time, and it was awesome. Yeah, that was a very awesome scene. <laughs> so, Chris, you already, do you want to expand more on your number three? I know you already talked about it, you know, severing the Black Horde. But... Yeah, I, to expand on my, my number three, I just – there's something about that scene just that, that doesn't seem right to me. First off, like – part of me wants to feel like he wasn't was never really transported anywhere physically but mentally Hmm. like maybe he was i like i need to go back and and i've never said this about a book ever in my life i need to go back and reread (laughs) because the way the girls reacted to rand it was if they kind of witnessed this struggle throughout the entirety of it like he was still there and stuff was still happening right there in that moment, but it really wasn't. But mm-hmm. like he traveled, but he didn't travel. He was there, but he was gone. He was there and back so quick. And then like how much happened just in his own mind. Ooh. Like he yeah. entered this dreamscape. Like always when he's facing Biazman, he's entering a dreamscape. He's not really entering a physical world. Did he really enter a physical world? We know he traveled, or part of him traveled to these different places. So, like, part of me thinks that he didn't completely go there. I know it sounds weird, but. And then he was, like, clearly able to see himself in the mirror. So, it's like maybe what he was doing was freeing a part of himself, the part of him that had hatred. Maybe he needs to let go of, you know, losing his mother. And maybe he needed to kind of sever that tie. And then maybe he needed to sever his tie of the Osman. But in, in doing so, he freed him. Maybe, you know, his 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 heritage, his bloodline was the only one that could free the Dark One from its enslavement because it was his line that captured him to begin with. I don't know. My mind went down all the different fantasy rabbit holes that they've ever been able to <laughs> incur- encountered in one scene and I'm like, man, he did so much to me in my mind. Sure. He just mm. really left me guessing a whole lot more. And this is the first time like back in the day, Harry Potter, I always like wanted to read the next one, but like I could wait the year before it came out. Mm-hmm. Now like I have all these books and I have to slow down and I'm having to be intentional <laughs> about reading them and I'm like, God, I need to wait. I need to wait, but I really want to just dive in, and I've got so many other things going on in life, but not gonna happen. (laughs) Oh yeah. So then, number two for me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say one of the nice things that with you know life getting busy, at least we're reading at such a slow pace that it's not that much time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's my it's my reprieve during lunchtime. Like I take my lunch break. I go to my happy place. I sit there in my car. And I read the book. Yeah. And I yeah. take as much time as I want and I don't power mm-hmm. through it. So yeah. my number two, and the mountains of mist alone in the empty city of Manethrin, Eldrin fell, Amon die, and her heart died with him. And where her heart had been was only left only a thirst for vengeance, vengeance for her love, vengeance for her people and her land. Driven by grief, she reached out to the true source and hurled the one power at the Trolloc army. 
and there the dread lord died wherever they stood wherever in their secret council or exhorting their soldiers in the passing of a breath the death lords and the generals of the dark ones host burst into flames fire consumed their bodies and terror consumed their just victorious army so I like this scene, and this scene is my number two. First off, because it ties directly to Ian's number three <laughs> in regards yeah. to the power of the Manethrim blood. Yeah. But then it also tied me way back or way forward to Rand and his interaction on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So we don't get the depth of what happened to the Fades and the Trollic we don't quite understand it, but both Rand and Eldrin used the, the true source, the one power to kill these fades and then to create dysfunctionality for the Trollocs. So like my mind when reading that part about Rand went back to this original all the way back to page 140. So from like page 700 and something to 140, 600 pages apart, but we're seeing the, the, the source being used. Sure. Yeah. And so it just showed me a, a, a link, but then it also showed me something else that I really grabbed onto. Like our lady Eldrin used this and she killed people on a massive scale, but then she also killed herself and mm-hmm. Ram was able to survive what he did and then go on to mm-hmm. fight more. So it draws the question, like, what makes Rand more special than she was? And she had a control of the power. She had an understanding of it. He was tapping into it raw. Right. Well, so I look at those two, and what made it so powerful is that they were using the one power, but they were also, their their motivation at the time was very emotional. Um, and And her emotional experience was way greater than what Rand was going through at the time. Um, she just had a, the most devastating personal loss to her. So I, 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 th- I look at it more that there is a danger that exists with um, allowing your emotions to intertwine with your use of the power. Like, like if you want to use it safely, you need to try and be more stoic and intentional about it. But just, out of pure raw emotion, lashing out and using it, there's a lot of danger there. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Well, what do I know? I'm wrong about half this stuff. <clears throat> sure. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my, my number two, uh, I know my number two is somewhere on Alan's list because he got really giddy when we read through this. And I made a note of that. Like Alan was excited about this. Uh, but my number two is when the White Cloaks tried to stop Moraine. Wasn't well, that they tried to stop the whole group. <laughs> it's that Moraine took personal offense that they were trying to stop her from leaving or take him to their camp. And she goes, you will take me to your camp, White Cloak. You will question me. You will bar my way. And then, like, as she's saying this, she's, like, literally growing taller and just getting massive in front of these people in kicks butt and takes names essentially and you know yeah. rand and the rest of our folks are sitting there watching it like just jaws to the ground like holy shit and and this was like really the first time we saw just 
crazy amount of power from Moraine. So that little mm-hmm. blip of the scene was fantastic. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Love that scene. Definitely, definitely. All right. So are we down to number one? Yeah, we're down we're to number, down one, number one. All right. Let me get my page. All right. So my number one, I went back and forth on which one would take the top spot, but I had to give it to the green man when he kills the forsaken and how he does it. It was so freaking amazing. Uh, It was almost like a little back and forth wrestling match. And is it Balthamel? Balthamel. Balthamel. So like Balthamel tried to fight back and then suddenly jerked in the green man's grasp. The forsaken hands tried to push him away instead of clutching him. One gloved hand flung wide and a tiny creeper burst through the black leather. A fungus. Such as ring trees in the deep shadows of the forest, ringed his arm, sprang from nowhere to full grown, swelling to cover the length of it. He thrashed, and a shot of stinkweed ripped open his earpiece. Oh, carapace. Earpiece. Yeah, carapace. Carapace is a face mask. Yeah, yeah. So he thrashed, and a shoot of stinkweed opened his carapace. Lichens dug in the roots and split tiny cracks across the leather of his face. Nettles broke the eye of his mask. Death shed mushrooms tore open the mouth. That was the coolest kill in the book. <laughs> and the yeah. most gruesome, ridiculous way someone could have possibly died. And it came at the hands of probably the most peaceful creature that we ran into. Mm-hmm. The green man's just all about bringing life all around him. But even he drew the line here and he's like, I'm not just going to kill you. This is going to be the most ridiculously epic killing in all of the wheel of time. I think I'm going to hold on to that one. So that's my number one. Sure. I know this is kitschy, but my number one is the dragon is reborn. That's not kitschy at all. No, yeah, it's solid. It's solid. <laughs> yeah, like there you go. Like the whole book, we've been hearing about the false dragon, and mind you, we barely even got into that character. Like literally, he was like a badass, and then he was captured, mm-hmm. and that's it. So then, I, I, like I've got some theories. We got fourteen books. I can see Jordan now taking the time to take three or four books to take the exact same length of time and go at different perspectives. And I only say that because Martin did that in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. with like his last three books. It was the same point in time done from different point of views. Sure. If you really want to frustrate a reader but also keep them engaged <laughs> – you give them the same thing over and over again from different people's perspective. You build all these characters up and then you do something wicked. Right. Mm. Yeah. So you have this statement, the prophecy will be fulfilled. The dragon mm-hmm. is reborn. Right. And then we've got this dragon banner. We've got, you know, we have Rand being called son of dragons. Like, mm-hmm. where does it all tie in? What does she know that? Again, decisions 
choices do they really <laughs> have them? Right. Ian, you hit nails on head in those way, 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 way back chapters. Like, did they really have a choice ever at all? Were they ever making any of their own decisions? And as much as I love Moraine, like, what's mm-hmm. her angle? And just as soon as I start to love this character and just as soon as I start to trust her, she talks to herself. The first yep. internal monologue is actually external, but it's her first thoughts at the end of the book. The prophecy will be fulfilled. The dragon is reborn. Yeah. You know, if we, if we had room for an honorable mention, um, if, or if we had an 11th, if it was top 11, I was going to include choices. Like it almost made my list. And no further explanation <laughs> other than that chapter itself, we joked about it. But it's not just that chapter. It was this whole Dagon book. It was everything that these the Edmund Fielders have just been kind of pushed along. I mean, everything's just kind of pushing them in this direction. So choices is a funny word for Jordan to use. Yeah. And, and just to your point, um, Chris. Uh-huh. To your point, so that, that one bit scene with Moraine is the only point of view from Moraine the entire book. And it's exactly 124 words. So out of this entire book, it's the only POV from Moraine. Hmm. We have have no idea what's going on in our head. We have no idea what our plan actually was. We have no idea what was intentional and what wasn't. Like, I really want to love this character. I really want her to be my favorite. I really want her to live throughout the entire 14 books or whatever many there are left. But Ian's words still come back to haunt me from like what week four, week five. I don't trust her. She's a bitch. We're not going to put a like your voice is in my mind, Ian. You, you have kept me, kept me with my floaties on the whole time. Well, even even with that finale, like you said, there's there's just more that she knows that she hasn't shared with us, the reader, and hasn't shared with our leading characters. So she's still holding cards close to her chest, and that's makes it hard to trust somebody like that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess to to finalize some things, a couple of last questions I had for you guys before you guys got to do an overall thoughts, just kind of to wrap things up and summarize. Um, Thoughts about doing a uh, experience about doing a podcast so far. I, it's and I'll start too on this one. I mean, I didn't want to review the book. I wanted this to be a first-time readers review, not someone that's now read it at this point four times, five times. <laughs> I I've not read every book that many times, but either one I have. Um, and um, yeah, but but as far as podcast goes, this is my first time doing a podcast. I've never done this before. This idea that I came up with. Um, over a year ago, and it's been a long time in the making, but I know both of you guys were completely blind going into it, so what's your been your experience so far? You know, what have you enjoyed? You know, just I guess, what's your thoughts about it? I've enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> well, I, I think it's good that you enjoyed it, Alan, because truly you do 90% of the heavy lifting. Like, Chris and I get to read and then just react, and 
uh, you know, sometimes I take good notes. Sometimes you could you could probably tell uh, I'll get on and kind of wing it as we go. But the, the hard work has been coming from you, Alan. I, I would say the most difficult thing has been if you look at everything that's gone on in the background from when we started until right now. Uh, and that's that's personal lives, but also just what's happening with uh, the coronavirus and everything else in the news now. It it's been hard at times uh, and different times for each one of us to keep the focus and and try and stick to the theme of our podcast without letting the external factors get to us. I think the the best thing that has helped with that, Alan, is uh, you setting up that discord. And yeah. we've had opportunities to talk with some of our diehard listeners uh, and even sharing some of our uh, personal experiences and things that we're going through just in general in life and having them react and be supportive and whatnot. It, it's actually helped me at least, um, you know, be like, all right, you know, let, let me still give back and, and focus on putting this product out there because people are enjoying it. It's serving a purpose and we'll get on discord later and talk about all my woes and instead of letting it, you know, bleed into the recording. So yeah, I mean, from the time we launched Discord till today, it's been gigantic growth there. I mean, it's so February first, uh, uh, February one. Actually, no, that would have been March first. So March first, we had twenty-two Discord members. So that was two months into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 20, twenty-two people in our Discord um, as of the time we're recording this. Now it could be larger, but time anybody listens to this, but at the time I recorded this, we're almost up to, I think it's 164, 165 uh, oh, wow. people on our server. So, wow. there's a lot of people in there. Um, it keeps on growing every week. Uh, more and more people pop in and, uh, and they stick around and stay. Um, you know, I think they come because of the podcast, but then they stay because of the community. Um, they're, they're sure. it's, a, it's a unique little community there. And, um, you know, and, and, and I've never been much, much to have internet friends <laughs> and same. maybe just because it's same same yeah I, i've never had internet friends um but you know some people i've met through discord through this this process you know are some some of the nicest great people that you know that i would never in my water streams ever think to think of as close friends but yeah they, they've become friends of mine over, you know. yep um, agreed there's a couple that i talk to often now so it, it's been yeah. cool and, it, and it's been helpful with you know getting through well life in general but this podcast yeah. as well yeah, and, and I'll shut down in quarantine and can't see people. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, and there's all sorts of other stuff that's going on in Discord that I know you guys don't get into, but they have like trivia, like in some, like, you know, they're like pub quiz kind of trivia on and drinking games and different, different servers than ours. And uh, lots of different games and things going cool. on. And Ian's joining for some of the games we play, but yeah, uh, there's games, there's music, there's also, I mean, it's like its own little world. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's been fun and that's something that i was not familiar with either before this i had never used Discord before i mean i had joined a few other content creators discords just to get a feel and i was like oh well if you have a podcast you gotta have a discord you know that's <laughs> <laughs> that was my whole logic and i kind of just and um there's a few people in our you know um you know zool being one of them uh, one of our members that that she really really in the early stages said you, you gotta do this and this and this with Discord." i had no idea what i was doing um, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll do that. Then, then. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, really helpful. But, 
What about you, Chris? What's your what's been your experience podcasting so far? Oh, I mean, I hate to give the direct quote, but Ian's absolutely right. Like, it's been nice not having to do any of them. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, that was my one warning. I, I really. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I was on one warning to Alan. It's like, dude, I want to do this with you. I'm super busy. So if, if it's more than just reading and talking, I don't know if I can handle it. And you were sure. like, nope, I got it. Don't worry about it. And like, it, it's one of those things that I feel guilty about because I know how much work goes into, you know, creating or looking to, literally just at the, the audio feedback and splitting it up and then cutting and editing and then piecing it back together. Like I've done that for work a little bit. It's a pain in the backside. Mm -hmm. It takes real time. And, you know, that side of it, I was like, I don't, I don't have any interest in doing that because I do it enough at work and I don't like doing it there. And then, you know, being on the discord, I've had conversations with some of the members there. Like I get anxiety by the fact that I can't answer every message or I can't interact with every conversation. Like I have real, FOMO and I also I'm very I'm very relational but also mm -hmm. become trying to become more intentional so like I want to be able to give every single person a moment of my time and I just can't physically or mentally do it so for me that's that's been an issue is like realizing that I don't have to be a part of the group to be a part of the group like mm -hmm. I, I've like I've even shied away from the conversations just because if I did that, I wouldn't do anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know yeah. that I would You'd much rather be sitting it. there. Yeah. 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 And yeah. COVID made it worse because everybody's so engaged right now. And I'm still <laughs> working like eight to 13 hours a day. And I, I know Alan's working too, but like I, mm -hmm. I work on a help desk. Like I'm getting sure. phone calls all day long. I can't be on discord and, pay attention to the phone calls and the, the work orders. And so like all of that was, it was nice to know that I didn't have to stress about it because between the two of you, this is where I'll bring you in, Ian, you, you've been really good about keeping the community going and, and having those interactions and, and being a part of it as well. Like if it was up to me, it wouldn't happen. And then like, <laughs> I, you know, I share the tweets and stuff like that, but you know, yeah. Alan's definitely done a lot of the work and Ian's right. Like we get to procrastinate and read the book at the last minute. And as long as we come with great things to say, then, you know, it keeps our readers engaged and hopefully it gives you guys something to laugh and joke about on the other end. Like, ha, these guys actually got it or ha, they're way off. Let's see how long great. it takes them to realize how off they were. <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 thank you for all the support. But it's not just me as well. I mean, I do have volunteers to help me out. I mean, for example, our Discord. I used to answer everyone's messages and really moderate the entire server myself. We now have four four moderators, admins besides myself. You know, um, in our Discord server that are helping out there. I mean, Tree uh, Tree Hugger. She designed her logo, um, which is you know, fantastic. Which, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, thank can't, you, can't, Yeah, I can't, can't praise that enough, how awesome this is. And she's also designing T-shirts for us because we're going to launch a merchandise store uh, probably by the end of this month because um, there's a demand for 
Lil Reed's merchandise. So we're going <laughs> to have T-shirts and hoodies and pint glasses and all sorts of stickers and, and bumper stickers, all sorts of stuff. Um, so that's coming, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, I never thought I'd have a merchandise from this. Um, <laughs> but Tree's designing. Um, I know there's a there's a Pater T-shirt. There's another one where they're, she actually asked me for a picture of all of us. So she's going to cartoonize all of us. And then it's going to be like a put your floaties on or something like that. Like there's going to be a tons of different t-shirts. I want a shirt um, so bad. Yeah. So uh, hopefully it's been cool when it all comes out, but I know they're working on a bunch of designs and it all has to do with like different things we've said throughout our, our podcast. It's different. Like but definitely funny for the outside too. Like no one. Yeah. Maybe something that would, if someone saw it, not know anything might, you know, obviously, good advertising piece as well. So, um, cool. So yeah, it's been cool. It's been a lot of fun. I've, I've enjoyed the help that I've had. I mean, and again, not, I don't have any help with that yet. Uh, but then again, I don't trust anybody else with that. So, uh, <laughs> I'll pray for you. There you go. There's your help. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. I've gotten used to it now. So I think at first it was a big learning curve. And I think you know. I think the first episode took me like 15, 16 hours of time to edit it. Whereas, um. Ever since then, it's gotten faster and faster. I've gotten pretty streamlined. It still takes a couple hours to edit any episode. Um, I mean, because you have over you know, two hours of recording time, it's going to take over two hours to edit it. So, sure. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And so then the social media stuff. But for, for me, that's just a matter of just like every once in a while, just go on there and uh, it takes like five minutes just to type something up and hit send. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Just do it real fast. Um, but yeah, been fun. But yeah, so um, I guess now yeah, just talking about you know, overall thoughts from either world. Um, so far, I know you guys are all excited to start the great hunt. Uh, we're recording that next week this time. Um, I know Patreons are listening to this, um, so this is not going to go out to the drill public for a while. But we actually we've decided that our first two great hunt episodes will still be open to everyone for live recordings after that it'll go back to patreon only live recordings um with the occasional everyone live recording so cool okay uh, kind of like a like a um uh, if you if you want to pay us you can get them all the time if you don't want to pay us every once in a while we'll let you come in and join the fun kind of as a preview or a teaser get a little sample and if you like you it you know where you got it from you can come back for more uh, you can go on Patreon and <laughs> sign up. Uh, yeah, you can get it on top. So, <laughs> which, I mean, it's, it, it, it's funny, but that's, that's definitely worked out. Um, and Chris is back. Cool. Um, Chris, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry. My tablet like died out of nowhere. It's okay. Uh, no worries. Well, to zero. You're, you're back with, okay, now it's Christopher Painson. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so um, I was just talking about um, our Patreon in just different ways. That, um, I did add two more levels, and we already had Delusions go up a level. Um, she was already at the top tier. She didn't, go to the top, the, she didn't go up to the new top tier, but she went up to uh, the second highest tier. So she definitely upped her pledge. And we had a couple people up their pledges just because they want early release. Or, you know, uh, they might have signed up for the $1 one and decided that, you know, hey, I want that that next day. Um, you get it the next day. Um, cool. With, with that, with the Did, it, did anybody so, sign up for the platinum level where I fly up and or fly out and make them breakfast and read to them? 
I haven't, I haven't quite done that one yet. That, that, that <laughs> one's like a couple thousand a month or something. And... A thousand, yeah, a thousand dollars a month. I know uh, Nabla's joked around saying that uh, Matt, Matt Hatch from the Dusty Wheel um, is is actually uh, offering us ten thousand dollars a month, which uh, yeah, you know, um, which is Deal. which is pretty awesome. Um, uh, we can cut this out, but I don't know how much you guys know, but Matt Hatch is in our Discord server, and I don't know if you know. Who Matt Hatch is? He runs the Dusty Wheel so, uh, YouTube YouTube yeah. show, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this out. I'm just talking for you guys right sure. now. But uh, yeah. do, do you, have, are you, you guys got Matt Hatch and who he is? I don't I'm, know I've who he is, but I did one. have the Dusty Wheel. Yeah. So just to, just to give you a, an idea, Matt was personal friends with Robert Jordan and is still personal friends with Brandon Sanderson, the two guys that wrote the wrote the books. Um, oh, he wow. actually has. Like, so all Robert Jordan, Jordan's notes that he has that are private, that's not open to the public at all. Like no one's allowed to see these notes. He's the one who he's the caretaker of the notes. He actually has all of Robert Jordan's notes. Um, have so, you talked to him about time traveling, Tam? Oh uh, yeah, we have. <laughs> did, did he did he laugh or did he say sure? So he actually <laughs> runs he actually runs LinkedIn theories for JordanCon every year, like that panel. Uh, or people call it these Presbyterians. Um, so um, I'm not gonna see whether it was right or wrong because we, we can't we can't we can't get that far off. But uh, sure, you know, for sure. Uh, I did I did tell him that you guys came up with that, so he's he excited. Uh, <laughs> I want to know his perspective on what we've done so far. Like now, I want to know like how he, uh, he was, like he, he was listening to our live stream. Um, yeah, he was there week. the other oh, night with Nablus. Yeah, with, yeah, with Nablus. Oh. Yeah, he was listening. Um, he was a beta reader for the books as well, so he was part of the editing team. Um, and the reason why he calls his YouTube channel the Dusty Wheel is because he is the only person in real life that is actually in the books. In the thirteenth book, he's actually a character. That's all. <laughs> like he's literally a character. Um, and so, yeah. Um, He's the only person in real life that's actually literally written into the books. That's kind of a, a tip of the hat too. So kind of within the, within the fandom, he's kind of a he's not as well known as a content creator because he hasn't been doing content creators for a long time. Uh, but uh, in the realms of the fandom, like he's he's the expert. <laughs> hey, Alan, I don't know how much more you want to record, but you've gone very tin canny. Oh, I was going to call that on anyway. Yeah, all, all that was right. Okay. So. You sent in Morse code? Yeah, he's done. I think we're done, Ian. <laughs> all right. Well, my impression of the book is I loved it. Uh, overall, I loved it. And I am ready to read some more. I, I can't believe, you know, the biggest thing that kills me, uh, other than Alan mentioned it to me a couple times, nobody else has ever mentioned this series to me. I never heard of it. I don't know how that me happened. Like I said, I've been big into fantasy books, and I wish I had an accurate count as to how many books I've read. I know I'm, you know, way in the hundreds, if not thousands of books. Um, but I would have to say that... Um, this has been the best book so far, and I've never heard of it before, so I'm right there with you. Yeah. All right. So we, we lost our host, uh, and we got a 
I guess, sign off. Um, we're not going to go through the normal spiel. I'm just going to say until next time. Peace.